Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. The verses that we read just a moment ago, of course, are dealing with the family. It's in a section there in Ephesians 5 and getting into Ephesians 6 that deals with the family. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands. Husbands, love your wives. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And uh, fathers, raise up your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's a great passage, and it's a great uh, teaching for us to understand these relationships, the importance of the relationships, and the responsibility of these relationships. But what is interesting, particularly in this section, when it's dealing with the husbands, husbands love your wives, he makes a comparison there that maybe we wouldn't normally make a comparison, but we know to make the comparison because God gives it to us. He says, husbands love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. It's a wonderful verse because here we see and perhaps we take it for granted that God loves his church. It's a wonderful truth that here at Bible Baptist Church, we can know that God loves us. He loved the church so much that he gave himself for it. God proved his love. He commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's a wonderful truth. Amen. It's a wonderful thing for us to know that God loves us, he died on the cross for us, and we can be saved through the, the blood that was sacrificed on the cross if we will put our trust in the Lord. It's a wonderful truth. But then he continues, and he says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. But then he makes the comparison here, so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. The comparison here is that the body, the church, is the body of Christ. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. What we see here is that our church, we're here together as Bible Baptist Church, our church is the body of our Savior, Jesus Christ. That means that being members of the body to love Christ is to love the church because we are the body of Christ. So being the body, to love Christ, means that we will also love the church. So if we will consider our own spiritual walk, sometimes people say, oh, you know, I, I, I'm a spiritual person, but I just don't get involved with church things. And I, I you know, that, that's for other people, but I got my own thing. Well, the church is the body of Christ. 
to have a relationship with God and to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. God intends for us to have a relationship with the church, to be a member of the church, to be participants within the church. And so today, for us to consider our own personal spiritual walk, for us to consider how are we doing and evaluating our walk with the Lord is to consider our relationship with our church. So I know that here in the service, we'll have a number of different people. Some of you will be members. Some of you might be visiting for the first time. Some of you may have been attending. Maybe you have not yet joined the church. We pray that you will consider joining the church. There is a proper procedure for joining in with the church. You see that in Acts chapter number two. But we're just going to take a look, uh, regardless of uh, where you are in your relationship with our church, uh, just to consider the relationship that individual believers ought to have with their church. So we're going to take a look, first of all, at a friendship, having a friendship with the brethren of the church. All right, to love the church means that we will have this friendship with others within the church. Now, friends are, are, are people that we are close to. You have a good relationship with them. You call them your friends. And there's a lot of reasons why somebody would choose to be friends with somebody, uh, to be friendly with them. You might have something in common that's typically what, you know, brings people close together is, you know, they have a similar sense of humor. They have a similar interest. They're both interested in sports or they love cooking or uh, they love traveling. You know, you have some similarities there. You might have some similar life experiences. Maybe you went through some similar uh, situations together. And uh, so there's a lot of different reasons why people will become friends and will have a good relationship with others, a healthy Christian will be friends with the members of the church. That's just naturally what is going to happen. That is a healthy thing, because if you are a member of the church, you ought to be strongly connected with the church. Amen? Right? If your finger were disconnected from the body, you would say that finger is not healthy. You need to be reconnected with the body, and that is God's intention for every believer to be connected with the body and to have a strong connection with the body. Even so much so that even if you have maybe a group of people together, you have friends together, maybe you're all believers together, uh, but somehow as a group, maybe you become a, a little distant or disconnected even from the body, that's not a good thing. If you have your five fingers in your hand and your, your arm and your elbow all disconnected from the rest of the body, sure, you are connected with each other, but we would not say that you are connected with the body. And God intends for us to have a strong connection with the body. Now, usually when people uh, make uh, friends, they're, they're thinking about these things that I mentioned before, that uh, we have a similar interest, we have similar hobbies, we have a similar backgrounds or experiences or something in common that brings us together. Now in a, a group like this this morning, we've got people that are diverse from all over the place. People that are born in different countries, you have different native languages, you are born in different cultures. Uh, we have men, we have women, we have those that are younger, those that are older. Some people love sports, some people have no interest in sports, and, and some people love this, and other people don't care for it so much. And we've got all sorts of interests, all sorts of backgrounds, all sorts of experiences from across the board. How are we supposed to all be friends having one thing in common? 
Well, what is true for believers and what ought to be true for the members of the church is we have a number of things that are in common. The first of which is, regardless of your background, if you're saved, we all have a common history. Every one of us. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The very first point that brings us together is that we all have a common history of salvation. If you got saved, you got saved the exact same way as every other person that's ever gotten saved. We all got saved by faith. Amen? Nobody got saved any other way. Nobody got saved by going to church. Nobody got saved by praying some prayers. Nobody got saved by giving money. Nobody got saved by doing some religious things. Nobody got saved by doing good works. Nobody got saved by any of those things. If anybody ever gets saved, it is only by faith. And so if you're saved and if I'm saved, we have that in common. My salvation story is that I grew up going to church. My parents got saved when I was very, very young. And so before I even have any real memories, we were going to church services. So I, you know, for, uh, for basically my whole life, I was going to church services every single week. We would go to church services on Sunday morning and then Sunday nights and then, you know, Wednesday nights. And then we would go to youth activities and, and we would get involved in all these different things. I went to Christian school for a little while. I was homeschooled and, uh, for a number of years. And so, you know, I have all of these, you know, experiences with going to the church. And when I was in second grade, a previous, uh, we had moved away to a different city and the pastor had given me a bible and in the bible was a section there towards the front that says if you want to be saved then you should turn to these verses in the bible and it would tell you you know turn to page you know 552 and on that page there would be a verse that was underlined you would read the verse and then right next to it they would say you know go to page number this and it, it would take you to all these different verses in the bible in the old testament and in the new testament and it would go through all these verses about sin and the lord and uh, uh, salvation and and uh, heaven and hell and all, all of the things that you might uh, need to learn in order to be saved and then at the very last verse it would say go to page this and that and it would be at the very end of the bible past all of the verses of, Reve of revelation there are some uh, there's a page there that says if you want to be saved you need to understand these things you need to understand that you are a sinner you need to understand that sin has a consequence for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God for the wages of sin is death but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us and whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so there are all of these verses there. And, and it says, if you want to be saved, then pray this prayer. And it says, oh, I want to go to heaven. Who doesn't want to go to heaven? And so I prayed this prayer. And uh, that was in second grade. And so I was, I was going to church services. And I was, uh, you know, getting involved with the youth group and things like that. And, but something always seemed a little bit off. I was always questioning, you know, maybe I'm saved. Maybe I'm not saved. I'm not sure that I'm saved. There are always doubts and questions in my mind and so that was what was going on in my heart until so finally when i was 20 years old i was actually going to a teen camp i was a chaperone i was there for the second half of the week wednesday thursday and friday and so this was during the summertime. I was actually taking classes at my college. And uh, so my classes were done on Wednesday. So on Wednesday, after my classes were over, I drove over. It was about a six-hour drive over to the campground. So I drove the six hours over there, was there Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. There was a service on Friday night. And at the very end of the service, 
uh, really throughout the days, but at the end, it was very clear to me that the Holy Spirit was moving in my heart. You prayed a prayer, but you are not saved. You have not dealt with sin. You have not dealt with, you know, the sacrifice of the Lord. You must repent. And so I said, you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm not saved. And so I called upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save me from my sins. And from that day forward, I've been saved. Never having a doubt. I'm thankful for that. Now, I'm sure that if you're saved here today, your story is not exactly the same story as mine. Right? Some people get saved the very first time they hear the gospel. Some people don't get saved like me after they've heard the gospel many, many, many times. I've heard the gospel hundreds of times, I'm sure, maybe even thousands of times before I got saved. And so uh, your story of salvation might be a little bit different from mine. But the story really is the same. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. We put our faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone, calling upon Him. Jesus Christ saved us from our sins. Amen? Amen. Now, we could go through and maybe ask different people, are you saved today? All right, why don't you give a testimony? And that story might be a little bit different, but in many ways, in the most important ways, it is exactly the same story. We were sinners in need of a savior, and we put our trust in Jesus Christ. We all have a common history. That's something we have in common. You know what else we have in common if we're saved? We have a common destiny. We're all going to the same place, amen? Now, throughout this life and throughout this earth, we might go in different ways, in different directions. We have different people that have moved in. I myself, I'm not from this area. I moved here about seven years ago, and so I've come in from other places, and maybe your story is like that. Maybe you were born here in this area, and maybe you've lived here your whole life, and, and uh, you know, you've come in, and you've, you've just been here this whole time. I've come in from, uh, from outside a number of years ago, and, and oh, you know, things in the church might be different. Sometimes people move away. Sometimes people move to the area and, and all sorts of different things, but what is clear from the Word of God is that if you're saved, we're all going to the same destination. We're all going to the same place. We're all going to heaven. Amen. You ever get on an airplane and you're sitting next to a stranger and strike up a conversation with the stranger next to you? You, know, you might have nothing in common with that person, but the one thing that you know is that you're both going to the same place, right? You're on the airplane together, and so when I'm flying into LA, I might ask them, hey, what's bringing you over into LA? And sometimes they'll say, oh, I'm visiting family, or this and that, or I'm on vacation, or I'm on a business trip. They might say a number of different things, and, and uh, we might have nothing in common, but the one thing I know is I'm going to LA, and you're going to LA. And if we're saved, you're going to heaven, and I'm going to heaven, we're going to be in the same place together. So we may as well be friends now, amen? All right, we may as well love each other, may as well build these relationships, may as well have these memories together while we are here. Another important thing that builds friendships together is having a common activity. Doing something together builds relationships together. Not just doing things separately and saying, you know what, uh, I have something that I've done in my past and you have something that you've done in your past and they've been similar things and that kind of uh, helps us to grow in our relationship together. But really doing something together is what builds relationships together. That's very important. What helps believers to grow in their relationships with other believers is to do things together. 
Sometimes people don't want to get involved with certain activities or certain events because they feel like their friends are not going to be there. The irony is you don't have friends there because you didn't go there and do it with them. Right? If you would go, you would build a relationship with them and you would make a friend while you were there. Sometimes people are waiting to see on the sign-up sheet on the back, are any of my friends signed up here on this event? Before I sign up, I want to know if somebody else is there. But you know the way that we ought to think as believers is, hey, there's somebody who signed up there and I don't really know them that well, but I want to be friends with them. So I'm going to sign up so that I could do something with them so I could be friends with them. We usually don't think of it that way, do we? we it's, it's not normal, but that's how relationships are built together when you do things together. We had a dear brother and uh, his family uh, move away. He moved out of state uh, not too long ago. And uh, him and I, we developed a, a close relationship together. And the closeness of that relationship really began when we went on a missions trip together. So we went on a missions trip to Mexico together. And uh, so we went on that plane trip together. We were in the same room together. We would do the activities together. We would go pass out invitations together. We would go to the restaurants together. And I found out he was a real foodie. And uh, so I was like, oh, I love food and you love food. And so we would go and we would try to find all the different things. And it's like, oh, this really sounds good. Oh, I really like that. Hey, how about, you know, so we could try more things, you know, I'll give you some of mine and you give me some of yours. And so we would like split all of our dishes 50-50. And so we would get double the amount of experiences of food. And it was great. I loved it. And that time that we spent together developed that friendship and we became uh, closer because of it. And if we will be friends with each other, we must be involved with each other. We must be close in proximity. Do you remember when, uh, uh, in 2020, remember when we were doing the whole online thing? And remember we were doing the Zoom classes. If you were here then, you were part of the Life Connection classes. You know, you would do the Zoom classes and, and the kids' teachers, they were doing kids' classes on zoom you know and they would mail out the you know the the activity sheets and the materials that were needed for the activities for the kids classes and they would mail these out and they would they would have this rotation and things like that and you do you remember all of that aren't you glad that that's over <laughs> i'm glad that that's over now we wanted to get out of that as quickly as possible you know why because relationships are not built through a screen they're built when you're together when you're in proximity together. That's why it's so important for us to have a church service where we come together. If at all possible, come and be a part of the church service. Find somebody, talk to them, meet with them, serve together with them, and build a relationship with them. In Acts chapter number 2, verse 42, it says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So we take it for granted that this early church, they just came together. But you have to remember that Peter was preaching in Acts chapter number two, and he said, you all have crucified Jesus Christ. Remember, Peter was a follower of Jesus Christ, and here was a group of people that said, crucify him, and they crucified Jesus Christ. These are two groups of people that are on opposite ends, and suddenly now, they're good friends together. Now, it began, of course, with salvation, but then it continued and it built through the activities that they did together in the learning, in the fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. 
Fourthly, we also have a common priority. As believers, you and I have the same priorities. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse number 9 says, But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 7, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us because that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. You know what these two passages indicate to us? The priority for us as a church is to develop friendships and love for each other. Do you know why we gather together? We gather together so that you might grow closer to each other. That's the priority for you to be here with everybody else so that you might make sure that that relationship is strong. So as we gather together, we ought to think when I come together with my church here at Bible Baptist Church, we ought to think, I am here to make sure relationships are strong. That my relationship with other members here is strong and to make sure that other believers have a strong relationship with each other. That's why we come together. If we were just here to hear the preaching of the Word of God, let's just be honest, it's not ideal, but let's just be honest, you could get preaching of the Word of God online. Right? Let's just be honest. You know, people, uh, great preachers, uh, preachers that I listen to, they put up podcasts, they live stream their own services, and they could do some of those things. Now, it's not the same because I believe that God desires for us to gather together, but the important thing, one of the most important things about gathering together is your relationship with other people. When you are not here, that relationship, it might still be there, but there's not that opportunity to build and to strengthen the relationships. So when we come together as a church, we ought to come thinking about, all right, I wonder if brother so-and-so is going to be here. Uh, hey, you know what? I noticed sister so-and-so isn't here. I wonder if she's okay. You might want to reach out to them. When you see somebody here, you ought to go and find them and say hello and get to know them and say, you know what? We ought to have you over for dinner. Hey, let's go do something, you know, next, next weekend. Maybe we'll have lunch together after the Life Connection services, uh, Life Connection classes on Sundays. These things are important, and that's a priority of the church. The priority of the church is that we will build relationships with each other. So as we come together, I hope that you'll think about, you know what, I need to build a relationship with that person because I don't know that person at all. 
I know their name, but I don't know anything about them. I don't know what they do. I don't know what they're, uh, you know, what they're like. You know what? I need to build a relationship with that person. I'm going to go find them. I'm going to go say hello. And we're going to go, you know, get dinner together. Or we're going to spend some time together. Or maybe they're involved in a ministry. And maybe, you know what? I'm going to help in that ministry just so that I could get to know them. So we see that as we love the church, that we have a love, a friendship with the brethren of the church. It continues then to a fervency for the building of the church. Our love for the church will lead to us desiring to see it to grow, right? Because if you love something, you want to see it to grow. You have people that you love, you have kids that you love, you know, and, and uh, you, you want to see them to grow. Uh, if you're a part of your church, you want to see it to grow. Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So God desires that our church be built up, right? I desire my church to be built up, you desire that your church, I'm sure, would be built up. Now, what is God's plan for how the church will be built up? Well, he gives the formula there, that the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. Every member of the body has something to contribute. According to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. So what is God's plan? God's plan is that every individual member be strengthened. Being strengthened, we help strengthen each other. All right? That's the goal. That's the plan. The plan is that every member has a part, has a place, and being in that place, we help each other to be stronger to grow. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So we as believers, if you're a member here of our church, you ought to consider one another, encourage one another, and exhort one another. A great question for us to ask about our spiritual health is whether we come looking to get or looking to give. All right, there's a very big mentality difference between coming to the church service and expecting to get something as opposed to coming in order to give. Now, of course, if everybody comes looking to give, guess what? Every one of us is going to get something as well. But the mentality that we ought to have is that we come looking to give looking to help, looking to serve. I'm looking for somebody to welcome to the church instead of waiting and looking for somebody to welcome me. I'm looking to bring somebody into the church instead of looking for somebody who's going to reach out to me and bring me into the church. I'm looking to help somebody else instead of always thinking about who's here going to help me with my situation and my problems. Now, every one of us has problems. Every one of us has troubles and trials and storms that you might be going through right now. And, and as a church, we ought to help each other and support each other and encourage each other. But as believers, if we will be strong, our mentality ought to be, I have troubles in my life, but you know what? Somebody else really needs my help today. 
So I'm going to go to the church and I'm going to find that person that, that I can help. And maybe you just have that ministry of just being an encouraging person. Maybe you just need to come and find somebody and encourage them in the Lord. And maybe somebody just needs to pour out their heart about some of the things that they're going through. And you could just listen to them and be there for them and support them and encourage them and say, you know what, we're here for you and we'll do all that we can. And we know that the Lord's grace is sufficient. And just encourage them. And so a strong signal for our spiritual health is whether we are looking here in the church as we come, whether we are looking to give or whether we are looking to get or to receive. Now, as we come thinking about building up the church, what exactly are we building it up to be? What should it look like? What's the end goal? You know, uh, I, I've uh, recently had uh, the wonderful privilege of putting together a bunch of IKEA things. And, uh, you know, you get that experience of putting things together. And just to be honest, uh, sometimes when you put the IKEA things together, uh, in the middle of it, you're like, what is this thing supposed to be? <laughs> you know, you look at it and you're like, I don't know if this is right. <laughs> I think it's right. I'm following the directions, but I'm not really sure. And so if you want to know what it looks like, you go to the box and you look at what does it look like on the box when it's all together? Right? And you're like, oh, okay, that's what it's going to look like. In the middle of it, it might not look like that. Eventually, it will get there. But we got to know, what exactly are we getting to? We took a look at Ephesians chapter 4. If you go a couple of verses earlier, in verse number 12, he tells us, For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. We won't go through the whole passage, but the idea is that God is giving gifts to the church so that the church might be edified or be built till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, uh, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know what God desires that we might be built up to be? To be like Christ. That's what we are building towards. When we take a look at the manual and in the middle of it, we might be wondering, all right, what does this have to do with this thing over there? And how does this part fit together with this thing over there? You can look back to the front cover and see, ah, this is what we're going to be building. You know, the front cover of the instruction manual of God is a picture of Jesus Christ. That's what we are building towards. And so that's what God desires. As we come together, we build up the church. So that means that a church is not necessarily successful, quote unquote, when it is big or when it is rich. It is doing a good job according to the calling of God when we look like Christ no matter how many people are here. So that's the goal. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Again, thinking that we excuse ourselves unto you, we speak before God and Christ, but we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. He says everything that we do is in order to build up you, which was, he's speaking to the church. So you and I as believers ought to come together as a church thinking about, all right, how can I contribute towards the building of the church? How do I do that? Well, let's take a look at a couple of verses. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29. Let no communica corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearer. So the first of, of which is, of course, our communication, our words, our language, the things that we say. What we say ought to edify other people. 
ought to be edifying here in the church. The words that we use, the things that we talk about ought to be used in order to build up other people in the church. Either our words are drawing people closer to the Lord or they are not. And our goal is that we would draw people closer to the Lord. Uh, there's a very enlightening verse in uh, Luke chapter number six, where he says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaketh. So the idea, of course, is the words that we use come because of the heart that we have. Now, of course, we know that when God saves us, his Holy Spirit dwells within us. We are a new creature in Christ. But the idea, of course, is that we would grow on the inside, being changed on the inside, it will change the words that we use on the outside. So we ought to consider our words. What kind of words do we use? When we have a conversation with the friends here at the church, are we encouraging them to be more involved with the church? Do we talk about spiritual things? Do we think about, you know what, this person is really struggling in their Christian walk, they need some help, let's go help him. All right, we ought to think about the words that we use. Also, with our constraint, with our self-control, we might say. So the mentality of Paul, as he's writing in Romans chapter 14, we'll take a look at the verses there, is that he was not thinking about what was his personal rights. He was thinking about what would help other people, what is most profitable. Romans chapter 14, verse 10 says, but what does that... Uh, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God, so then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. So every one of you is going to give account of yourself to the Lord. God is going to inspect your life from the beginning to the end, from the top to the bottom, and he's going to ask you to give account. Why did you say that? Why did you do that? Why did you neglect this? Why didn't you do that? You knew that you were supposed to do it. God's going to judge us according to the life that we live. We will all stand and give account of himself to God. Here's what we should do then about that. Verse 13, let us not therefore judge one another anymore. It's really easy for us to find something to criticize in somebody else. Right? There's no end of criticisms that we can find in other people. And our church is full of people that are not perfect. In fact, there are no perfect people here. So if you're looking to find something to criticize, I hate to say it, you're going to find it. But let us not judge one another anymore. Let's not come with a critical spirit. Let's not come looking for faults. But judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Let us come thinking about, am I a hindrance to other people in their Christian walk? Or am I a help to them in their Christian walk? Every one of us ought to consider these things. You know, what, uh, I, I'm now working with a youth group. And uh, Brother Robbie is traveling around. He's up there in the Pacific Northwest. He was a youth pastor here for, you know, five years or so. And, uh, you know, he's going to plant a church. And so in the, in the meantime, until Lord willing, we'll find somebody, I'm working with the youth group. And, uh, you know, I remember when I was a teenager, you know, it was the same thing. 
And it's the same thing with teenagers today, and it's, I'm sure it'll be the same thing with teenagers for all of eternity until we get to heaven, which is basically, you know, if you have something going on, you have two friends together, if one of the friends drops out for whatever reason, very likely the other friend will also drop out, right? One friend will say, oh, I'm go you're going to go? Okay, I'll go with you. But then for whatever reason, one friend stops coming, the other friend also says, you know what, I'm not going to go either. And of course, you know, those relationships are important, friendships are important, and uh, sometimes we don't always consider that dynamic of the decision that I make is going to influence my friend. When I drop out, that might encourage them to also drop out. When I don't get involved, that might encourage them also not to get involved. When I participate in sin, that encourages them to also participate in sin. When I kind of lag behind, that encourages others to also lag behind. And so we need to consider that instead of looking at, oh, the pastor needs to do that. My life connection teacher, you know, this person should do that. And they, you know, they made a mistake over here. And I can't believe that they said that. Instead, let us judge this matter rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Verse 14, I know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. But if thy brother be grieved with thy meat, now walkest thou not charitably or lovingly. Destroy not him with thy meat, for whom Christ died. Let not then your good be evil spoken of, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. What Paul is saying here is there are certain things, first of all, that are abundantly clear in the Bible, all right? They're black and white, and there's no question about it. But there were some areas where it wasn't exactly clear, or at least there was some misunderstanding by some people in the early uh, church days. They didn't understand. There, there was a big transition. They didn't have the completed word of God like we do today, and they didn't have that depth of knowledge. But, so there was a little bit of confusion here. And, and what Paul is saying is, if I participate in this thing, and it encourages somebody to go against their own conscience, I would rather not do it. I know I could do it and be fine. I, Paul knew the word of God. He knew what, what God desired and he knew God's plan. But he said, if this wouldn't even encourage somebody to think, you know what, I don't feel right doing it, but he did it, so I guess maybe it's okay for me to do it. If even it encourages somebody to do that, I'm not going to do it. That was his attitude. That was how he was going to serve somebody else. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. These things that are, I'm allowed to do, I'm allowed to do them, but not everything is profitable. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. So we need to consider, is there something in my life that as I live, it's encouraging somebody else to do the wrong thing? To do so, you could say, ah, they're, they're responsible to God. Well, we are responsible for the stumbling blocks that we put in front of other people as they run their race. So we've got to think about that. Uh, we also see with our correction, Hebrews chapter 10, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. 
the word provoke there has this idea of a conflict, meaning one person is not doing the thing that the other person is doing, and there's a conflict between the two. The idea, of course, is that one is not loving and one is not doing good works, and we ought to consider them to provoke them to do love and to do good works. The, the fourth and the last is with our comfort. In 1 Thessalonians 5, he says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. So the idea then is one of the ways in which we could help build our church is to comfort each other. All right? Sometimes people are going through a tough time. And they don't need to be told what to do. They know what they're supposed to do. Sometimes they just need to be comforted and encouraged. They need to know that somebody is there with them, that somebody understands them, that, that, that we're doing this together, that I'm not all alone by myself. And so he says, let us comfort ourselves together. How can we comfort each other? Oh, well, if you go back a couple of verses, he says in verse number nine, for God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. You know what would encourage another believer? Jesus is coming again. You know the tough thing that you're going through right now? It's not forever. We're going to be in heaven one day. All sin is going to be gone. All sorrow will be taken away. There will be no more tears, no more death, no more separation. We're going to be there. Let's not quit in the Christian race. Hey, let's keep going. Let's keep fighting. Let's not stop. So that's the idea. We can encourage each other. Thirdly and lastly, we have a fellowship in the burden of the church. So we, first of all, grow in our love for each other, in, in this friendship, if you will, for the brethren of the church. Then we think about building up the church. Then we think about the fellowship in the burden of the church. So the word fellowship in the Bible basically just means to have in common, to, to have something in common. We've talked about that uh, in, in, in different ways. The English word for fellowship, the word fellow, is really a business term. It has the idea of a business partnership, that I have put my own personal money or capital into this uh, company, and you have put your capital into this company. We have both put our own finances into this company, and we are business partners together in this venture. We are fellows in fellowship with each other. So the idea is that we have a common group or organization with the common purpose, right? Businesses provide services or uh, make goods in order to make an income, right? You know, that's kind of how business works. So that's the idea. So the Bible indicates uh, several partnerships or fellowships that we ought to be in common with each other. The first of which is a fellowship in the scriptures. So Acts chapter number two says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. So the idea there is that we have in common this doctrine, the teaching, and we are fellowshipping together in it. So that's why we come together and we hear the word of God preached together. That's why you have a life connection class. You could share the word of God with each other. We have a fellowship in the scriptures. We also have a fellowship in soul winning. Philippians chapter 1. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day 
until now. He indicates we are in this venture together of soul winning. We are in this together to reach people with the gospel. Galatians chapter 2. And when James, Cephas, and John, that's Peter, James, and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given unto me, they gave to me and Barnabas the right hands of fellowship. Hey, let's do this thing together. What are we doing together? We will go to the heathen. They go into the circumcision. We are going to reach the Gentiles. They will reach those that are Jewish. All right, so we're going to have these two groups. Both of them need to be saved. And we're going to reach them together. You're going to go reach them. I'm going to go reach these people. And so the idea was that as a church, what ought we to be doing? What is our calling? To reach people with the gospel. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. We also see that there's a fellowship in service. 2 Corinthians says, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. So the idea is that every member has a gift and every member has a role. And serving together, we are to use our gifts in the roles that we have in order to serve each other. So every one of you, if you're saved, you have been given a gift by the Holy Spirit and you have a place to use the gift. Use the gift in the place that you are in in order to serve the church. So wrapping this up all together again, how is your relationship with your church? It's a good sign and indicator of our relationship with the Lord because to love the Lord is to love his church. And so we ought to be friends. We ought to be in fellowship together. We ought to think about building up the church together. And that's a good sign for how we're doing in our spiritual walk.